Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so that you can experience God. I pray that this message will encourage, inspire, and grow your faith in God. Enjoy the message. Awesome. Um, let's talk for a few moments on, on this subject. Empty is not good. No. Empty is not good. If your drink is empty, that's not a good thing, right? Uh, especially if it's coffee. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> if your gas is empty, that's especially not a good thing right now. If, you're, if your tire is empty on the way to work, that's a bad thing. If your deodorant is empty, that can be a bad thing. If your refrigerator is empty, that's a bad thing. If your wallet is empty, or nowadays we would say if your bank account is empty, that's a bad thing. You ever get those emails, notifications, you're below your minimum balance. Come on, y'all. If your bank account gets empty, if, if your, your house gets empty, it can be awkward. If, if your bed is suddenly empty, come on, y'all. It can, be, it can be awkward, it can be difficult if somebody has passed away and what was once there is no longer there or they've left for some reason or another. If your spirit is empty, it can be so hard to keep moving forward with an empty spirit. Empty, empty is, just, is just not good. And if you feel empty today, you're in the right place because we're going to look at a woman in the Old Testament that started out empty and she ended up in an overflow of abundance. And, and I think there's some characteristics, some, some takeaways we can take from her story, I uh, think that are going to fill us up and speak into our lives uh, today. And if you come in empty, I pray that this morning, by the time you leave, you can leave not only surviving, but also thriving. Um, we're going to go to 2 Kings uh, chapter number four in a second. The Bible's divided by genres. Some people think it's actually written in, in chronological order as far as the Bible that you have. It's not in chronological order. I just had this discussion with one of my kids. It's written in genre order. And so you end up with, with historical books and prophetic books and biographies of Jesus we call the Gospels and, and epistles of Paul. And you end up with these, um, these different genres of books organized together. And one of the genre is the history books. And uh, from Joshua to Nehemiah is the history books. They tell the stories of the ancient Israelite nation. And in those stories, they also break away from the big picture of the nation sometimes to step into the, 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 the small picture of individual lives, uh, especially with the different prophets speaking of Elijah and Elisha. And this is one of the stories of Elisha today that's right here in the middle of 2 Kings chapter number four. And it's verse one through seven. And let's, let's just read this. This, this poor lady who is in a bad spot. I'll read it off the screens. It says, the wife of a woman from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Somebody say, don't ask for just a few. Yeah. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Shut the door behind you and your sons. Sounds like a prayer closet to me. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it, in, put it to one side. She left and she shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, 
and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your son can live on what is left. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. This widow is at a place where she is barely surviving. She's, she's in a bad place. You could say that she is empty on a level that many of us have never fully experienced. She is down to nothing. My mom would say she's between a rock and a hard place. Any Southerners in the room? She's between a rock and a hard place. And, and when you get in that situation, it's like, it's like what do you do? And, and according to Hebrew law, your children could be sold or you could even sell yourself into indentured servitude or slavery. Oftentimes when you see slavery in the Bible, we picture American slavery. It's nothing like that. Most of the time, it was indentured servitude. It was actually a blessing because you would starve to death if you didn't sell yourself to somebody who could help you make your bills. And so these, these, these kids are going to be taken off um, to be enslaved by the creditor for something they did not even do. That's interesting to me because there's some people in this room, you are paying the debt that your parents should have paid. You're paying the debt because your parents split up or because your dad had an affair or because your mom was bad with money or because of these things your parents did that you really had nothing to do with that you end up paying the debt for. That's a whole nother level of emptiness. Anybody can relate to that. I know you can't say amen because your mom's sitting beside you, but... And this is the wife of the prophet. Now there was a company of prophets that Elisha would have helped oversee. So this woman is coming and she's saying, listen, I'm not just like anybody. I'm the wife of one of your prophets who has passed away. Therefore, it's kind of your duty to help take care of me. And the bank is coming for my kids. And so you got to do something to help me. It's, it's interesting to me that when she gets in this hard place, at least as far as we can tell, she seems to go to the man of God first. She doesn't run to the bank first. She, she doesn't run to get a third job. Not that any of that is ever wrong, but she runs to the Lord. She runs to the Lord's man. The prophet in this time period was the Lord's mouthpiece on earth. So she runs to the Lord first. This is not what the message is about by any means, but I think we could all learn something from the woman of God who would run to God first, not second, not third, not fifth, not that's my last option. I hate how movies always show like your last option is to pray. No, that's your first option. Uh, your first option is to pray. If you make it your first option, you don't always even get to your last option because God will give you divine wisdom on what to do next. Come on, are y'all with me? And so that's why we, we have to be people of prayer that pray first, not pray last. I think of that old hymn, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Uh, when we don't bring it to the Lord in prayer. Imagine the trouble you could save if we learn to put God first. And so she runs to Elijah and Elijah asks her, hey, hey, how can I help you? How can I help you? That's a great question. Because there's a lot of ways that with human minds, we could figure out how Elisha could help her. Uh, first of all, and probably my favorite, Elisha could just have the creditors killed. <laughs> You're like, what are you talking about? A few chapters before in chapter two, uh, some teenage boys had come out and called Elisha Baldy. Some of y'all know how that story ends. He calls bears to come out. Y'all better be careful what you talk about people who are bald. He calls bears out that attack the boys. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, Elisha was a bad dude. Like, you know, we think these prophets were just like little sissified. Like, you know, he could have just had them knocked off. You know, he just had the creditors killed. Elisha was probably a man of means and his status in his society. Elisha could have just given her the money himself. 
And certainly that's a Christian charitable thing to do. That's a, that's a godly thing to do. He could have just given the money himself. That would have been uh, uh, wonderful. Um, he could have, because he was overseeing the company of the prophets, he could have commanded one of the other prophets to marry her, which would have then taken on her debt. A woman in a nice time period would have made no money and, and, and been little more than a slave as far as the way she was looked at. And so she couldn't afford to handle the debt that her husband probably could have afforded to handle. And so if he had just commanded one of the other prophets, listen, I want you to come marry her. It's an arranged marriage. Happened all the time. You come marry her, take care of her debt, take care of her sins, her sons. He could have done that. All those things make perfect sense in our minds. There's, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. They, they make sense. But I want to tell you that God almost always works differently than what we would expect. Not that he always does, because sometimes God does work through natural things that you go, I could see how this works out. But so often when it's truly supernatural, God will work in ways that we go, I didn't think of that. This is not the way I would have done it. So he says to her, he says to her, what, what do you, what do you have Miracles always begin with what you have, not what you don't have. But like in the case of this widow, it's usually the thing you have that you don't realize you have. It's usually something you have that you think is worthless, that you think is, 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 is too little to matter to God, that God looks at it and goes, all right, that's something that I can use. And if you really want to go from, from empty to overflow, it starts with looking at what you have in your hand that God could be using and surrendering it over to God. <laughs> See, what may not be valuable in your hands can become invaluable in God's hands. He looked at Moses and said, hey, do you, do you have anything in your hand? He said, oh yeah, I got, I got a staff. It's just a simple stick. We, we make a lot out of the staff nowadays. It was just a stick. It was a walking stick. And God says, with that stick, you're going to do miracles. Samson would pick up a donkey jawbone, just a, a dead bone and slay a whole lot of Philistines. He would, Jesus would look at a young boy who had five loaves and two fish. It's not about the quantity you have in your hand. It's about that you have something that God can turn into something greater. And so oftentimes we actually have something in our hands that God wants to make greater. God wants us to take this thing that we look at and think, oh, that's too little. It doesn't matter. And God wants to make it into multiply it into something that's incredible. The problem is we concentrate on everything we don't have instead of realizing what we do have. And so we see everything we get in that place. We've all been there. You see everything you don't have. Kids do this. You ever, you ever like, your kids are like, there's nothing in the house to eat. Yeah. <laughs> like you could live for a month on the stuff you have in your house. It's just nothing they want to eat, right? You, you got plenty of food, like, you know what I mean? But the kids are like, we have nothing to eat, meaning we don't have McDonald's sitting on the dining room table. That's what they mean by that, right? We need to go to Chick-fil-A. Praise God, we got a Chick-fil-A in Plant City. All my Plant City root people, that's just praise report right there. I know. If you're a Plant City person, you know. If you don't, you don't. But like we're we are, we are coming up in the world, man. We got our Chick-fil-A. Um, <laughs> and so you, you get this, this, this image right here. See, the problem is that she's concentrating on what she doesn't have instead of focusing on what she does have. And as long as you concentrate and dwell on what you don't have, you'll end up being miserable all the stinking time. Cece and Jim and Chris, run up real fast if you would. <clears throat> So oftentimes we focus on what we don't have instead of thinking I can take something that's small and make it large. One of the things when we talk about legacy and stuff, one of the things that I hear uh, a lot in the church world from a lot of different people is I want to write a book. Most of the time, 99% of those people that tell me they want to write a book never actually write a book. 
So many of them have phenomenal stories that need to be put into a book, stories of God's faithfulness and his incredible love, his power, but they never actually write a book. As part of Legacy Sunday, I just wanted to take a quick second and just honor these people. There's probably others, but these guys have written an amazing book and they've been part of our church for a long time now. And they've written uh, amazing books when it comes to Jim and Chris. And Cece, you've written two, right? Yeah, two. So I'm gonna just, like, we got a really short time for this, but just a couple quick questions. What inspired you to write a book? Because most people, they go, I, 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 I know God's calling me to do it, but they never actually get over the hump. What's your quick answer? Um, actually, I was not inspired to write a book, but um, my uncle prophesied, who is a pastor, prophesied some years ago that, um, that God had a book in me, and I laughed like Sarah, and I was like, okay, whatever, and fast forward, um, a, couple, a few years back, God brought someone back into my life, and that's when this book came into existence, and then I went to a conference, and I think we talked about volunteering, and fortunately, the, an individual that I was volunteering with said, the Lord spoke to them and said, you got books in you. And I knew about one, but not the other one, so this one came in too. Love it, love it. How did y'all's books come to you, sir? Mine was the Holy Spirit just kept bugging me. I never wanted to write a book, uh, but this one's about my story. <laughs> so pr probably 20 years it was prophesied, and I'd read, uh, read in the Bible about it, and um, my husband helped me make it happen. Well, I pray that in retirement God would allow me to write stories, good stories, wholesome stories, without any profanity and vulgarity and sex and stuff like that. Um, boring, <laughs> but uh, stories that could bring people to Christ without sounding preachy. And so um, I've written three novels, faith-based novels. You can give these books. This is the latest one. This is the first in a series, uh, Calculated Loss. It deals with racism. It deals with forgiveness and unforgiveness. Um, I write modern-day versions of something in the Bible, and it doesn't sound preachy at all, but you can give these to your friends and family, and they may just get saved. Well, you, you kind of already started that, yeah. You kind of already started that, but in a, in a quick 30 seconds or so, what is your book about? And Because uh, you guys have them for sale out here this morning. Okay, my book, Look Up, is about caregiving. So for those of you who have been in a position of caring for your loved one, um, the book, Look Up, is about my journey as a caregiver. Um, my book, New Journey, New You, is like a self-help guide, but it's one where you allow the Holy Spirit to allow you to really get to the root of everything that's happening within you. Uh, in 49 years of ministry, I would get discouraged at times, and people would come up to me and say, just around the corner, there's a blessing, Chris, just hang on. And one day I said, there had better be a corner. <laughs> I experienced a lot of depression, so it's my story about that. So there, I'm, I'm letting you know there is a corner. So it's before the corner and after the corner. Well, I have a leadership series that's on the table. Also, my novels, this is the latest one. It's called Calculated Loss, and it's a story about, uh, it's an unusual story about a recessant gene in a young black boy. And that is the story, that is the key. It's a mystery full of mystery and suspense, intrigue, and, and everything else. But it is a powerful story on forgiveness. And so I just want you to be aware of that. Pastor Kieran and Erica, I've dedicated this to you as well. So.
Thank you, guys. Thank you. There's others who have written books, and I don't want to take away from any of them, but I just want to say, Writing a book is one of those things that oftentimes people say, I want to do it. It's something that's in them that they think is so small, it can never go out. But a legacy, books create legacy. Because long after you're dead, other people can be reading about your story. Um, it's a powerful thing. Jim and Chris actually teach a writing group in our small groups that start in January. They teach a writing group. If you feel like God has called you to write a book, join their group. They will walk you through the process of how to write, how to publish, a whole nine yards. Why? Because I want to see you leave a legacy. And so often we see this as a small thing that we ignore that God could actually make a big thing. Are y'all with me? So what happens? She brings her little in obedience to the Lord. It's this little bit that she has. She comes in obedience and, and she had a little bit of oil left. Now this is, this is olive oil. This is not pen's oil. This is not 10W40. Come on. Just, just, just saying, although that's pretty valuable right now too. But this is, a, this is a valuable, tradable commodity in that time period. So it was valuable. She just saw it as so little that it didn't have the value that she would want it to have. And so, so Elisha tells her to pour the oil out. Can, can you imagine the conversation as it would go? You talk about awkward, like, like, listen, I want you to go to all your neighbors and get jars and pour that little bit of oil you have into those jars. Can you imagine the conversation that's, that's ensuing right here? First of all, it's one thing to be broke. It's another thing to tell your neighbors you're broke. Come on. You can hide that brokenness from your neighbors. You don't really want to go spilling your junk all over the neighborhood. Now she's got to spill her junk all over the neighborhood. But, but realistically, come on, I'm going to pour this oil into other, like, like what's that going to do, Elisha? But yet... She's obedient. And if you follow the ways of God, you're going to have to step out in some obedience sometimes that simply doesn't make sense. It's an upside down kingdom of God where, where what seems right is sometimes wrong and what seems wrong is sometimes right. And God will cause you at times to walk things out that just seem illogical, but that's what his calling will do. And so, so he says, go, 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 go find all the, the jars. I ain't got oil, but just find jars. This is like not having any bread in your house and saying, go to your neighbors and borrow all the butter you can find for bread. Yeah, yeah but I ain't got no bread. Like, okay. And so she, she, she borrows these things. I do want to point out that if you borrow something, it ensues or it would in, in, in connotation would be that it has value. You don't borrow things that have no value. But empty vessels, empty jars have very little value unless you're looking at it the way God looks at it. Paul would write in 2 Corinthians that this treasure of the gospel has been put into jars of clay. Some of you just know that because of the band. <laughs> it's been put into jars of clay, meaning you. That you are actually this, this jar of clay. And I just want to say that God values empty vessels. We often want full vessels. We want content. We want a lot in the vessel, but God actually values the empty vessels tremendously because then he can fill them. See, see the jars needed to be empty in order to be eligible for use. Somebody hear me now. In order for the jar to be useful, it needed to be empty. Can I just, can I just tell you that in order for God to use you, you need to be empty so that God can fill you. 
If you're not at the, if you're still at the place where you got your own schemes and your own ideas, and I know if I do B, C, and plan D and whatever, I can make this work, then you're not actually at the empty place yet where God can, can, can really use you as an empty vessel because we're still full of ourselves. See, see, this teaching is for some radical people. I don't know if y'all can all handle this. But, but, but when you get to that true place of emptiness where you are turning to God as your only resort, where like you, you have no other plan, all of a sudden, all of a sudden God can start pouring into you. So this widow starts collecting empty jars, but she's not just collecting empty jars. She is an empty jar. Come on, y'all. And God values our emptiness. God creates Adam, this empty vessel, and then breathes into him life. It's out of the emptiness that life came. Jesus was the full vessel that poured into empty vessels. What did he do? He called his disciples together and he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. It's only the, to the element that they are empty that they can actually receive. <coughs> In Acts chapter two, the disciples are going to be together in one accord and the Holy Spirit is going to be out, poured out and they're going to be baptized or filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. But it was only to the level that they were empty that they could be filled. Are, are y'all with me? Yeah. Yeah. This, is a powerful, this is a powerful truth right now because the oil will only flow to the proportion of the container, not to the proportion of what is being poured out. There is always more anointing, more oil in the Holy Spirit than you can handle. But you will only handle to the level of your emptiness. The problem that we have is so many of us are so full of ourselves. <laughs> we are full of our own knowledge. There's some good stuff there. We are full of our own experiences, our own backgrounds. And then we are full of the dirty thoughts and the dirty stuff we've watched and heard and listened to and, and all this. And we are so full of ourselves that there's only a 10% capacity for God to pour himself out. So we cry out to God, God, fill me. And God's going, you're already full. <laughs> Anybody with me? See, see, it wasn't about the capacity of what the oil was. It looked small. It was the capacity of what the jars were. We as a body of Christ, as Christian believers, need to empty ourselves to the level that we can be full to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. If we want to go from empty to overflowing, that, that, that's what begins to happen. And so she poured, God blessed. She poured, God blessed. I love it because she, she, these things are empty, but she goes into this room that in my mind at least looks a lot like a prayer closet. It's like, I'm going to shut the door and I'm going to pour. Cause that's what he said to do. It's kind of weird. Don't do this in front of everybody. Shut the door and, and pour the oil. Anybody remember prayer closets where you went in and you didn't come out until you were full? Like, I know that's old school and we don't talk about that kind of stuff any day anymore. But do you remember like when you shut the door on your prayer closet? I had a friend of mine that, that used to literally go in his actual closet. It was like a little teensy tiny closet. Like he could barely, he's a big dude, he's a bodybuilder. He could barely fit into that closet and he would cry out. Do you remember those days when you used to shut the door and say, I'm not coming out until you fill me, God. And you empty yourself of yourself in desperation and hunger and thirst for the Holy Spirit and say, I'm not leaving until I'm filled. And I love this story because you get this image that it wasn't just filled, it was filled to overflowing because she went jar after jar after jar. See, our problem is that we are way too full of ourselves today. 
Reminded of the words of John the Baptist that said, I must decrease, he must increase. Are we empty? Are we thirsty? Are we hungry? We need to be people that cry out to God and say, fill me up. Coming out of a place of emptiness, not full of ourselves. <clears throat> the miracle happened as she poured. See, it would not be multiplied until she started pouring. So many of us, so oftentimes, we want God to multiply something that we're not willing to pour. God, I've got a book in, down in my spirit, but you have never actually pulled out a piece of paper and started writing. You've never went to a small group where they teach you how to do it. You never watched YouTube videos to teach you how to write any of that kind of stuff. You just have this idea, but you never started the process. Faith is only powerful when it's in action. Faith by itself is dead. Faith, 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 faith with no action associated with it is, 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 is worthless. It doesn't help you at all. Faith needs to be accompanied with action. It's a one-two punch. They go together. And God doesn't bless our good intentions. We put our faith into action. And then God begins to bless. And so she had to pour in order to see the miracle. She had to pour out the oil. She had to give the oil to the vessel in order to see the miracle begin to happen. See, some people want God to bless them before they're willing to actually surrender that to the vessel of the Holy Spirit. So, so I want God to bless my finances, but I'm not willing to actually give. I, I want God to bless my marriage, but I'm not actually willing to surrender my marriage to him. I want God to bless my home, my, my possessions, my children, but I'm not actually willing to surrender them over to him. She had to start pouring before, be, before it would be multiplied. You know, this morning is Legacy Sunday, so we're going to talk about money a little bit because that's one of the ways you leave a legacy and our church is leaving a legacy inside the community. And so many people want God to, to multiply them financially, but they're not willing to actually surrender their finances to start with. We, we do that. I did it for years in my life. I'm like, God, bless my finances. God, bless my finances while I'm holding on to my own wallet. I never carry my wallet on me, but I happen to have it this morning. Um, on stage, I never carry it. And we want to, we want to like say, God bless my money. And God's saying, listen, you got to take your hands off of it. You got to surrender it to me. You have to give it to me in order to bless it. I know this is heavy for some of you who you haven't even gotten to the level of, of giving, much less tithing, much less generous giving. But until you get to that place, you can't expect God to overshadow and pour out his blessing on you until you surrender to him. But that's a kingdom principle for everything. It's not just money, it's everything. That as you surrender it to him, it allows the blessing of the king to come on it. And some people, we, we make this, this excuse a lot. If I had more, I would give. Yeah. Anybody ever heard that? If I just had more, I would give. This widow had almost nothing, but she was willing to give. In fact, the greatest giver in all the Bible, apart from God himself in John three sixteen, but the greatest giver in all the Bible is a widow who had one mite, the smallest, like a penny. And yet she gave because it, was, it, wasn't, about, it wasn't about how much she gave, it was the capacity of what it was. It was, it was that she gave all she had. It, it, it paints this, this picture that it's not about I have a lot or a little, it's about I surrender it to God. This widow had a little bit of oil, but surrendering to God made it abundant. Yeah. It reminds me of Luke chapter 16, verse 10 through 12. Jesus said this, he said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. 
And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? That's the words of Jesus, not mine. So if you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at him. See, if you want to be blessed, if this woman is going to be blessed and receive what God has for her, she has to be willing to let go of the little she has and pour it. See, her blessing was found through her giving. Are, 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 you, are you a giver? We don't have time to break it down, but there's, I think Robert Morris famously said there's three levels of giving. There's, there's, there's some people that tip, they just give some. There's some people who tithe, that's 10% of your gross income. Uh, you know, that's kind of the standard. It's a principle, it's not a law. You don't go to hell if you don't tithe. It's, not, it's just a biblical principle of putting God first um, in, in the 10%. Uh, so you get tippers, you get tithers. Then you get those who are generous givers who will go above and beyond. Those are the people that, that truly trust God and say, I give you all. Now, now, oftentimes how it plays out is some people are, are tithers. It almost always goes in a, in a form. They start out tipping and then they start tithing. And then when the opportunity arises, you give above and beyond the tithe. You become a generous giver. Some people will do that all the time, but a lot of times it's, it, it's the tither who then gives in special offerings or things like that. It's not even just for the church, by the way. It's sponsoring kids in other country. It's, it, it's giving to, to different ministries locally and different things that, that you give to. So it's not just about the church. It's just, it's just giving as the Lord impresses your heart because that tithe is showing I don't own it. He does. So God, you show me and I will give. And so whatever you want to have blessed, you surrender to the king. And by the way, this is not a prosperity gospel. I'm not telling you that if you, if you give, suddenly God's gonna give you a whole bunch more finances. That's not what I'm telling you. I am telling you that as you surrender things to the king, the Lord will bless those things you surrender. And sometimes it'll make your gas go further. I don't know. Sometimes it'll help you get that other job. It's not always like just suddenly there's, there's gonna come a check in the mail. Although those stories do happen. It's not a prosperity gospel. It's a kingdom gospel that says the king owns it all. It's part of the king's domain, the king's property. As I surrender it to the king, it allows it to be blessed. So we practice that here at our church. And um, um, I think it would be fun if we gave away some money today. Would that be fun? Hey, let's, let's start with this video. We got a great video for you. Hey, let's watch this video where we get to give away some money to local legacy partners. Hey Risers, Pastor Ada here. We are at this amazing place called Hope For Her. Hope For Her um, is a ministry outreach for women that are going through homelessness, that are having traumatic um, struggles in their life. Um, and this is a place where they can come and really get help, uh, get life building skills. Uh, this is a place that helps them get back on their feet. And we are here today because we are giving them money. This is so exciting. We get to help them. Uh, we get to help them. Um, this money is gonna help with gas cards and different things to help su supplement the needs that they have here at Hope For Her. Okay, yeah, we're gonna okay. present you with this check. Okay. Um, yep, that's from Arise. Thank our, you, Our guys. family at Arise. Yes. Thank you guys so much. So this is for the gas cards and to help supplement um, things that you need for your women. Wonderful. The yes. timing is perfect. Um, I was telling Pastor Tina, um, we try to fill the gaps and Miriam probably told you guys um, with our families, there are certain things that just families need, mm -hmm. right? To get to that next yes. level. And something like this is a, a direct impact into that person's life. Fantastic. That's what's so powerful about this. So thank you guys. Thank you for your generosity and thinking of us during this time. 
What's up guys, this is Pastor Ken here and I'm at Livingstone Academy. Livingstone Academy is a private Christian school that specializes in educating the unique needs of children with learning disabilities. And we get to bless them today because of your giving. This is where Legacy, this is one of the places that Legacy gets to go to. We're excited, we're gonna surprise them. So otherwise, we believe in education and we believe in what you guys are doing here and the mission that you guys are doing. And we're so excited on behalf of our legacy givers at Arise to present you with this check for $1,500 because we're excited about helping buy sports equipment, Mm -hmm. helping fill your library out because we know that's a need for you guys. And we just want to bless you guys and we want to be a part of the mission here at Livingstone Academy. Thank you guys so much. (laughs) This is going to help so much. We have a student that's in a wheelchair and so we have to get some equipment out there um, for him to be able to do PE because it's hard on the field. So we're gonna get some stuff for that and the kids are gonna be so excited to have some more library books and some stuff for PE. So it's very, very much appreciated. Thank you guys so much. Hey, what's up risers? Man, super excited to be standing outside of Choices and we get to deliver this check to them. Choices is an amazing ministry here locally uh, that helps young ladies who find themselves in an unwanted and unplanned pregnancy. Uh, They do ultrasounds, they do pregnancy tests, and they are amazing at fighting for life within our community. And because of your giving, we get to walk in and give them a check. Come with us. All right, so we are running around giving away money in the community today, and we're filming this so don't feel too awkward. Okay. Uh, but we do have a check for you guys because we love what you guys do, and we think you're amazing, and we want to save lots and lots and lots more babies and lives all the way from the womb to the tomb. So thank you so much. You and our eyes are such a blessing and a gift to us. Like we seriously could not do the work of the ministry without local churches, and, yeah, and it's so encouraging your support. This is, I'm sure, above and beyond what you yeah. already give so generously. Well, what is up, Risers? Pastor Pete here, and we are on site at ECHO, and ECHO stands for Emergency Care Help Organization. They have an amazing mission here, and what they do is they assist residents of Hillsborough County who are in crisis, who are in need of emergency food and supplies and clothing, and so we get to partner with them in what they do. And uh, we're here on site with Eleanor Saunders, Mm -hmm. the director, and so uh, from Arise to you, we wanted to just say we appreciate you. We're so thankful for what you do for the community and for the residents of Hillsborough County who are in need, offering them help and food and resource Mm -hmm. and clothing. Mm -hmm. And so we have a gift that we'd like to put in your hand and say thank you so much for what you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Arise. That's great. Hey, Risers, what's up? Pastor Tina here, and I am standing with Michelle Walker. She is the founder and executive director of Miracles Outreach. And if you are not familiar, Miracles Outreach is out in Venona Sassa, and they have been serving the abused, the homeless, the those that have been caught up in human trafficking since the year of 2000. So for the last 21 years, and you currently right now have 14 girls that I believe yes, 14 are here. right here at this particular location that they are giving hope and a home to and we are so appreciative of what you're doing here in the community and so appreciative of our risers and risers because you give here's what we have the opportunity to do we've heard that you have a need for a security system a monitored security system out at this location to make sure that all of these girls are safe and so we have a check for you that we believe will enable you to make that happen and hopefully a little bit extra for some of the other things that you have need of. And so on behalf of everyone at Arise who's going to be watching this in just a few days, we love you, we appreciate you, we thank you. This is for you. Thank you. 
<laughs> so I was trying not to do it. Thank you. You're welcome. Listen, we're a blessed church because we're a giving church. That's what it's about. But, but why would we want the fun to stop right there? What if, what if we could do some giving this morning? Would that be cool? I mean, I'm not Oprah. It's like, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. But what if we did some giving this morning? One of our amazing missionaries, I don't even know he was sitting right there. Stephen Widner, where are you at? Stephen and Casey. I know Casey's not here. Stephen, run up here real quick. So we absolutely love what you guys are doing. Uh, this is USF Chi Alpha Ministry. This means they work with ministry within USF and our students who go to college. So oftentimes they lose their faith at college. We do not want that to be a part of our ministry here. Come on, y'all. We want to see them keep their faith and it even get stronger in college. And Stephen, we have watched, and I know you've been a part of our church here more intimate than most. Uh, we've watched what you guys have been doing for so long and I'm just so impressed and I love it. And, and I reached out to Stephen a few weeks ago and I said, hey, what do you need? He said, we need offices. He said, that's, that's one of the big needs they have. And so we wanted to present you with a check. Come on, Pastor Ada. For your first year of office space for Chi Alpha. Can you spin it around? <laughs> it's a big check. Amen. All right, we're going to let Ada take that back. I don't think you can actually deposit that. No. If anybody saw it on social media, I tried to write myself a bonus check with that. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't work quite so well. Do you, you wanna, I don't want to put you on the spot. Do you want to say anything? It's good. It's good. <clears throat> I just want to say thank you so much, Pastor Brent and Arise team. Um, obviously, I'm beyond words. Um, I'm so thankful. Um, I'm shocked. And I just want to thank all of you uh, for being so welcoming to us and uh, to our students and for praying for us and for partnering with us. And um, it's just so great to be a part of a church that puts their faith in action, as you were saying. And so um, from the bottom of my hearts, thank you very much. Listen, this is from you, church. This is your legacy giving. This is not my giving. This is your legacy giving, making a difference. Uh, can, we do, can we do one more? Liz, can you run up? And Natalie, if you're here, you can run up too. I don't know if, if Natalie's here, but, but Liz, run up real fast. If you know Liz Brewer, that's all you need to know because she's amazing by herself. Liz and Jeff are both amazing, but Liz runs the Angel Foundation, which happens to be in an office right next to ours in the church offices, uh, but she runs the Angel Foundation. The Angel Foundation steps in when there's a catastrophic 
catastrophic uh, problem or scenario that happens. Let's say a house burns down and you know there's not enough insurance money and such. So they step in or somebody gets cancer all of a sudden and, and, and they can't afford to make their bills and stuff. The Angel Foundation steps in. And so we just wanted to be a blessing to you as well. And, uh, and so we have a check for, for Liz Brewer and the Angel Foundation. Run over here real quick for $2,000 just to be a blessing to you. <laughs> now you can probably better describe what you do than I can, but do you want to say anything and describe the Angel Foundation? I'm shaking right now. Um, you guys, this is awesome. Thank you so much. You know, God has always provided because we are 100% community supported. Um, but we always say life is going along just fine and all of a sudden you get that diagnosis or you have a catastrophic event. There's so many stories, amazing stories. Um, and we step in, we meet them in their home and we say, what is it that's going to help you be able to keep your hope and give you help right now so you can focus on your loved one? They need to take care of themselves, but mowing the grass or, you you know, um, the car breaks down. Who's going to take care of that? So we match businesses in this community to help these families. So we connect with them. We'll pay their rent. We'll pay their mortgage. We'll pay their cell phone bill. And so these dollars actually go right into the hands of people just like you, because it could be any of you one day. You're probably not going to go to Echo. You may not go to another nonprofit for food. You're just going to suffer at home, but we're going to make sure that they don't feel alone. So thank you. And we have an Arise team here. So members of our own church actually go out and they'll serve these families. And so that's what it takes. The hands and feet of Jesus right here within our own church as well. So thank you guys. Such a blessing. You guys get to see their true reaction. They'll have to do this again in next service and you know, they didn't know anything was going on this morning. Man, that's so awesome. Hey, you gave almost $34,000 last year away to benevolence needs, almost uh, primarily in our church. People that are your friends and neighbors that may not want to come to you. Again, you don't want to tell all your neighbors when you're broke. People that'll come to the church are like, hey, we've lost our job. We're having this kind of event thing going on. And so we just need help with, with you know, rent or phones or whatever uh, to get through the month. Most often it's rent or, or house payment. Um, and you have given almost $34,000 away to people in this room or around our campuses this year to help them. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that what the church should be about? Yeah. And... and We've never done this before, but I wanted to say this. We have created in that benevolence budget uh, for this Christmas season. Now, I know this is not everybody. If you're struggling this Christmas season and you need help with your Christmas gifts and what have you, go see us out on Main Street. Go see at the Connection Desk. We're going to get your information, and there's already a budget for that because we want to be a church that helps those around us. Are you with me? Isn't this awesome? Isn't this fun? Love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Listen, money is the number one thing in competition with your heart. It always is. Jesus would say, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So wherever you put your treasure, your money, your heart will follow. I've said for years, I could care less about my lawn until I started hiring, you know, a lawn service. And then I cared. Because <laughs> when you put your money into something, you start caring about it. Some people are like, I want to follow Jesus more. And I'm just saying, if you just start putting your money into the things of the Lord, you'll care more for the Lord. So if you trust God, you're going to end up giving at some point. You're going to end up giving sacrificially at some point. And I love how the story goes because she was asking the prophet for enough money to pay her debts. 
But when that last verse ends, it says, take the money and pay your debts and then live off the rest. That God actually gave her more than she was actually requesting. There was an overflow. She went from empty to overflow out of obedience and putting God first. But I wanna end with this little thought. This wasn't just the faith of the widow. This was the faith of the community. See, the Bible says they brought her jars. Who, who are the they? The connotation seems to be that she went out and asked for jars and the neighborhood started bringing her one jar after another jar after another jar. They started bringing them jars and the oil stopped coming when they stopped bringing jars. You could say, did the oil run out or did it just stop flowing when they stopped bringing jars? It seems to be that it stopped flowing when they stopped bringing jars, which is why he said, hey, don't, don't just gather a few, gather as many as you can get. Listen, there's power when we unite together in giving. I don't want to make this some kind of emotional cry, but it is interesting. She was the one asking for help, but the truth was it was her kids who were about to be put into slavery that did not deserve it. Things that Liz Brewer and Natalie and the Angel Foundation work with, a house that gets burnt down and it wasn't like they did something wrong. Somebody suddenly has a, has a catastrophic heart attack and can't make their bills. And it's not like they did something to cause it. It's just sometimes life does that. Listen, you get to come together to help people, to be a hand that picks them up and not a boot that pushes them down. That's what this legacy offering is about. Now, when we do this legacy offering, uh, in March, we'll do another one that's gonna focus more on monthly support missions and things that we help with and monthly support. This one is really focused on a one-time offering. Now you can choose to do monthly support where, you know, that's awesome as well. But the focus today is the one-time offering. And I'm going to invite our ushers to go ahead and make their way up front for this. And I'm going to challenge you in your giving. The first challenge is this, everybody do something. Everybody do something. If you've got 25 cent, that's something. Somebody said, that's embarrassing. No, it's not embarrassing. There is power in unity. I cannot explain it. I can only tell you it's another biblical principle. It's a kingdom principle. There is something about people coming together in unity that God can multiply it. God can take five loaves and two fish and multiply it. He can take your 25 cent and turn it into $2,500. God can do things that we don't understand. There is power in unity. So we ask that everybody do something. For those who can, we say your one day can change their every day. Give one day's wage, one day's wage, whatever that is. You know, you and your spouse, the you know, culmination of that. If you can do that, that's kind of the main challenge. One day's wage, your one day can change their every day. And then there's some people that can give considerably more than one day's wage. You've been blessed. Uh, God has blessed you and you can do a lot more than one day's wage. And so uh, uh, some people will just go above and beyond that. But what we're gonna do, we have these... Um, legacy cards. You can give online through the, through the church center app. You can text 84321 with the word legacy. It's the keyword legacy through the app or physically. Um, we've been encouraging you to bring your physical gift, but if you're giving online, that's awesome as well. And so 
as a way of making it helpful for you, you can, if you gave online, especially you can say, I'm giving such amount today for legacy and just turn this in. Um, uh, and just as a way of, of, you know, bringing something forward to the Lord to show what you've already done online or through text. But I want to give you an opportunity to step in and make a partner. You just gave to a security system for hope for her that, not, not hope for her, but um, one of the other ministries that works specifically with girls who've been caught in human trafficking and had horrible things done to them. Like you get to be a part of that. Hope for her, these young ladies, a lot of times single moms who are just trying to make ends meet and literally coming and getting furniture and getting a job and getting, getting the needs and food and things that they need in order to survive. You got to give into that. That's what this offering does uh, every year. And so we encourage you to give. It's one of those things where one of us giving might not be make, a, make a huge difference, but all of us partnering together can make a huge difference. See, the size of God's provision was directly related to the size of their faith. How many community people would give? How many of our church will bring their vessels, whatever they feel the Lord leading them to do in order to give? Let's pray and I'm gonna bring a moment where you can come up and give and then go back down and then we'll close everything out. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing this on all your social platforms? If you are moved by the message and would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myariseChurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged. See you next time.